Jude, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Please do take a seat. Well, I hope you had a fantastic and relaxing Christmas. I had a bit of a shock to the system this morning when I had to get up at half six to take my wife to work, um, which was a bit of a shock after some nice Christmas lions. But um, throughout January, we're starting a new mini-series in the letter of Jude. I don't know whether you've looked at it before. Um, It's fair to say that it's a rather neglected letter. Um, But as we'll see, it's got a very relevant message for us as we start 2017. But let's start by praying. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And as we listen to it today, we pray you would soften our hearts by your spirit so that we are changed by your word and so that we reflect your glory more and more as a church family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what you see as the biggest dangers of 2017. It could be the selfie stick or the taking a selfie, because apparently uh, selfie stick related deaths have more than doubled each year for the last three years. And now more people are killed taking selfies than are eaten by sharks each year. Uh, So be careful. But on a more serious note, there's a lot of uncertainty this year, isn't there? Uh, We don't know how Brexit is going to pan out. We don't know how Trump getting in will pan out. Um, And we don't know how that's going to impact the world on a large scale and impact us personally. Whether we were in in favor of those things or against those things. And yet Jude's message to us today is that one of the biggest dangers for us as a church is that we lose the life and hope giving gospel. The danger is that we don't fight to preserve the message of salvation. Because the Bible makes it clear that it's going to be constantly under attack, not just from outside the church, 
but from inside the church as well. And yet the only certainty of 2017 is that without the gospel, we're lost. We're without hope. Because the biggest danger of all is the fact that we're going to have to stand before our creator one day. And we're going to be found wanting unless we're with Jesus. So let's pay careful attention to what Jude has to say this morning, this afternoon. And uh, as we start 2017, well, let's dive in. As it's the start of our series, it's important to look at the context. And the first thing that we note is that Jude is writing a letter. And as with any letter, we need to understand uh, a bit about the background, if we're going to know that it's, its purpose. Who's it from? Who's it written to? What's going on at the time? So let's take a look at verse 1 to get our bearings. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Right at the start, we see that Jude isn't someone who flashes his credentials around. He's a humble guy. We read in the Gospels that Jude is actually one of Jesus' four brothers. And yet here, he introduces himself as a servant of Jesus. When we look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it seems that all Jesus' brothers um, became leaders in the early church community. Even though they'd, they'd seen Jesus close up and seen his daily life, he, they still trusted in him as the Son of God. Jesus' life and resurrection clearly had a profound impact on his brothers. And so they say, they call themselves servants of Jesus. So that's Jude, our author of the letter. Uh, what about who Jude is writing to? Well, we don't know the exact church community, uh, but what we do know is that uh, Jude assumes a lot of Jewish background, and so it seems that uh, they, uh, um, they've been Jews, or well, they are Jews, uh, but Jews who've come to Christ. Now, obviously, it took a fair bit of effort to write a letter in those days. Uh, it wasn't like just winging off an email. Uh, I find it uh, quite hard work just going down to the post box these days. Seems like a lot of work. Uh, that'll be more familiar to some of you. And yet, back then, uh, letters had to be personally delivered, sometimes at great risk to the messenger. And so letters were written with a clear purpose. So why did Jude write to this church? Well, we're told clearly right at the start in verse 3, take a look. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, Jude's initial project had been to write them a letter about how wonderful the gospel is, about Jesus' amazing love, about the cross, about their common salvation. But then he's forced to change tack because he becomes aware of a crisis facing the church. Certain people have infiltrated the church. They say they're Christians. In fact, they even claim to be leaders in the church. But they're behaving terribly. And they're teaching things which just aren't true. And so Jude fires off this thoughtful, heartfelt letter to the church community. And the main point of his short letter is there in verse 3. He says, I appeal to you to contend for the faith. I appeal to you to contend for the faith. And there are four key things which Jude is teaching us here about contending for the faith. You can find them on the back of your service sheet and they'll be up there on the screen. And the first one is that there is one true faith 
given to the church by God. If you were writing a letter but like this, I wonder how you would start it off. Take a look at how Jude opens his letter in the second half of verse 1. He says, To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. It's a fantastic, warm greeting, isn't it? But he reminds them of the amazing, what true faith that they've been given. Have you noticed that all the words that he uses are God's actions? He says, to those who are called by God, beloved in God, kept for Jesus. God has called them, God loves them, God keeps them. The church family he's writing to is going through a difficult time. And so Jude starts off his letter by encouraging them and reassuring them. The God of the whole universe has set his love on them and has saved them. God has done the work in bringing them to faith and it's God who's going to keep them going. They're secure. And that's just as true for us today as a church um, if we're believers of Jesus. I hope that you're encouraged and reassured by that as we start 2017. As St. Joseph's Church, we too have been called, we're loved, we're kept in Jesus, all by God's work. True faith is given to every believer by God. So God's given each of us faith in that we've put our trust in Jesus if we're Christians. But he's also given us a faith in the sense that he's given us a set of truths. Truths about us, truths about the world, truths about God and salvation. And that's what Jude's talking about in verse 3. Take a look. He says, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints i.e. believers. The truths fundamental to Christianity were delivered to the apostles. They weren't just made up by the church. The apostles wrote them down in the New Testament and they've passed to us and we're to contend for those truths. As an aside, note that there's not going to be any more revelation, any more revealing of truth from God until Jesus returns. It was delivered once for all. And those truths given to the church by God bring salvation and they bring a certain hope for the future if we're Christians. But listen carefully. Knowing that our faith is from God and we're called by him is never a reason to lay down our weapons in the Bible and in the book of Jude. That's clear in this letter. Instead, it's always given as an incentive to keep going and to contend for the faith You've probably heard of the Enigma, t- Enigma Code. Uh, there was a good film out recently uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, it was used in the, in the, by the Germans in World War II and they thought it was an uncrackable code. And yet uh, the good old Brits managed to crack it. Uh, it was a huge moment because from them on, then on, they could understand all the German communications and, and they knew what was coming. So for example, uh, when the... Uh, Germans were sending a fleet of submarines to attack one of their convoys. Uh, They cunningly sent a uh, a reconnaissance plane out. So it looked like they just happened to spot these submarines. And then they sent a huge fleet of ships uh, and sunk every German submarine. Enigma meant that they could take great heart because they knew what was to come. But it didn't mean that they weren't still in the fight. And we too can take 
great heart because the truths passed down to us by the apostles give us a great hope and we know what's to come but it doesn't exclude us from the fight and that's my second point we have a faith worth fighting for this faith is worth fighting for even in the early church when jude was writing the one true faith is under attack and jude urges the church to contend for the faith because it's a faith worth fighting for it's jude's appeal to them in verse 3 contend for the faith jude knows this if the truths about the one true faith are lost then our salvation is lost jude cares deeply about people about them being saved and about them being rooted in the great truths of the gospel he cares about the gospel being preserved he cares about god's glory and, and god being glorified through people knowing those truths and he knows that it's a faith worth fighting for what do you think the oxford dictionary's word of 2016 is it was post-truth an adjective defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion or personal belief. We live in a world that's placing less and less importance on the truth. The truth doesn't seem like something that's worth fighting for to most people these days. And yet Jude says to the church then, and he says to us today, this faith, these truths, are worth fighting for. The apostles were willing to die for their faith. The truth has been preserved for us by many reformers in the 16th century who, who contended for the truth and who often died for it. They fought for the message of salvation to be preserved because they cared about people and because they cared about God's glory. Our faith is worth fighting for. And the Bible makes it clear that we're going to have to fight for it. And that's my third point. Many will try to distort this faith. I don't know about you, but I love a good spy thriller over Christmas, uh, whether it's a John Le Carré novel or, uh, or one of his films, uh, The Bridge of Spies. Um, and as you'll know if you read spy books, the most dangerous spies are always those on the inside, the moles, those who are unknown and unchallenged. And Jude says it's the same with false teachers in the church. He issues a warning. Take a look down at verse 4. He says this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, people were stealthily entering the church and distorting and changing and misrepresenting the faith. In fact, these guys are distorting the very fundamental of fundamentals of the gospel itself. Let me highlight three ways in which they're doing that. Firstly, from what we read in verse 4 and then the rest of the letter, it seems that they're claiming that God's grace means that Christians can just do whatever they want. They say, look, God forgives us, so, so let's just keep on sinning. In fact, that just shows God's grace is more evident. But that's rubbish. Jesus died so that we could be set free from the slavery of sin and walk in righteousness. And Paul reminds us of that in Romans. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. 
Jude says, look, the immoral lifestyle of these people shows that they're a complete fraud. Secondly, we see in verse 8 that these people are claiming to have dreams and visions which justify their behavior. But they're relying on those rather than the truth that they've been taught. And the third thing, and the worst thing of all, is that they're not just doing it because they're confused. They're doing it for themselves. Jude tells us in verse 12 that they're like shepherds feeding themselves rather than the sheep. These people are acting as leaders, as shepherds of the flock, but they don't really care about the flock. They're just in it for themselves. And so what does Jude say to all this? Well, he says, you should have expected this. Don't be surprised by this. He says, the prophets predicted these things. The the apostles predicted these things. Jesus himself issued warnings that this would happen. In fact, virtually all the New Testament letters at points address contentions with those claiming to be Christians within the church itself. And those warnings apply just as much to us today as they did to those people back then. We too shouldn't be surprised by false teaching and people claiming to be Christians but leading the flock astray. Today, many churches are being led astray by the prosperity gospel, uh, which is no gospel at all. It's telling people that if you become a Christian, you'll be wealthy and you'll be healthy. But ultimately, that just leads people to think that the gospel's a fraud because it's not true. And it also leads them to neglect the great hope that we have for the future. Apparently, that teaching is spreading like wildfire across Africa. Closer to home, Many in the church here are moving away from the truths of the Bible. We see Church of England bishops not wanting to ordain people who believe in the whole Bible, uh, but they're even willing to to keep people who don't believe in the resurrection. Uh, Up in Glasgow, where I'm doing some part-time theological study, uh, there's a large church called the Tron, and they've had to leave the Church of Scotland because the leaders there aren't willing to accept the Bible's teaching on sex and marriage. And they've had to leave their big central uh, Church of England church in the middle of Glasgow and buy a whole new place to go. Uh, But thankfully, that church is going from strength to strength and has planted two other churches because they're teaching the gospel faithfully. And there are many more examples. We're going to look at them over the next couple of weeks in the rest of our Jude series. But the point is, just like um, the church that Jude was writing to, we too need to be ready and alert We need to be ready to fight for the one true faith. And that's my final point. Fight for the one true faith. Who is the letter of Jude written to? Well, take a look at verse 1. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. It's written to normal Christians like you and like me. And just as they needed to contend for the faith, so do we. It's not just a job for church leaders or preachers. It's a task for every one of us who belong to Jesus. We need to fight for the message of salvation to be preserved. I don't mean physically fight. I mean that we need to be willing to contend for the faith. We need to speak out. We need to rebuke others in love who are distorting the message of salvation. And we need to be willing to be insulted or even thrown out of our building for the truth. Those words fight and contend 
don't suggest it's something that's easy. So how do we prepare ourselves to contend for the faith? Well, we're given some hints at the end of Jude, and we're going to look at those in more detail in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but Jude says that the most important thing to do is to be a church which is built on the, fact, the faith, those solid truths, a church which knows the truths of the faith, and a church which loves those truths. John Piper, an American Christian author and pastor, says this, The source of all false doctrine is the pride of man's heart, not the weakness of his mind. Jude tells us to grow and pray and stay in the love of God and depend on his mercy before he says anything about how we should contend for the faith. The best argument for the faith is when the saints live it. Contending for the faith is never just a mental or academic exercise. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and with respect. So to fight for the faith, we need to know the truth, but we also need to live the truth. So as we start 2017, let's treasure God's word. Let's make it our priority as a church family to to know God's word better and better. Otherwise, there's no chance that we'll be able to spot false teaching or distortions of the gospel if we don't know the truth ourselves. But let's also make it our prayer for this year that we would be a church which lives out the truth. Let's contend for the faith with our lives, not just our words. To finish, as Piper says, you can win with your logic, but lose with your life.